find your balance, you find your center, you disconnect from the outside influences and you allow yourself not to think about this, not to dwell on that, not to worry about what's been, not to stress about what's going to happen, but simply disconnecting from the outside world, disconnecting from the outside influences, bringing the awareness within, and only then just allowing yourself to simply be, simply be in the moment, it allows you to tap into that inner self that the more you listen to it, the more you give a voice, the louder it gets. And the louder it gets, the more clear your vision gets. And from that moment of presence and mindfulness, you can act and achieve anything you want. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cardavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business and grow your life. We have, I'm going to tell you, a blow your mind episode today. In fact, we've got so much great content. It turns out it's going to be two episodes. This is the first episode with Michaela Gralia. Now, he has a fascinating story. He was involved in his family business, literally was walking in a rainstorm, stumbled into a restaurant, ended up turning into a career as a top international model. After that, he discovered the modeling world was not all he had thought it was, and in fact, brought him to the brink of considering taking his own life. And fast forward through these many crises, Michaela has gotten involved in ultra running. And when you hear about his stories of the things he's run, these 100 and 150 mile races in the coldest parts of the world, the hottest parts of the world, but he's really, that's the story behind it. But what he's going to talk with us today about is living a life of fulfillment, purpose, joy, and contribution. This is a impactful, transformational conversation about getting past your perceived limitations and achieving your fullest potential in every part of your life. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are excited to be back here with a very unique guest today. We have with us Michaela Gralia. Uh, he is a former top model and currently one of the world's top ultra runners. So those of you who know me know what that means is he's crazy. <laughs> People who want to run these, these things for me are crazy. So I look forward to learning his form of crazy. Since 2011, he's completed in over 30 ultra marathons around the world, often winning and setting world course records. He set Guinness world records for his runs across the Atacama and Gobi Deserts, mm. his wins in the Yukon Arctic Ultra with temperatures below minus 40 degrees Fahrenheit, and the Badwater 135 in Death Valley with highs above 130 degrees Fahrenheit made him the first person in history to win both the hottest and coldest foot races on earth. Wow. He's a motivational speaker, has inspired thousands around the world. He studied yoga and meditation. He's a yoga instructor, a running coach, sport nutritionist, and he's got this retreat from 
2016 to 2020, he was a yoga and mindfulness mindfulness coach at the high-end Malibu retreat called the Ashram, and he lives in Bear Lake, California. So welcome, Michaela. Craig, Jeff, thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, great to have you. So I have to explain, Michaela, that uh, my brother-in-law is a Ironman, and so I'm in my sister's Ironman, and so and I have friends who have done ultra and I'm just, that's just for me. I have, <laughs> like when someone says they run that far in those conditions, I say, what are we chasing you? <laughs> why, <laughs> why are you doing it? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so we're going to find out, we're going to find out what yep. your why is. So before we jump into that, Michaela, give everybody a little bit of your background story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I was born and raised in Italy. Um, and after the studies, I started working in the family business and the floral industry. And uh, thanks to, you know, the involvement in the company, I started traveling the world quite a bit and the United States became one of my main uh, markets. Um, you know, I would come to the, you know, Miami, New York at a time, especially as the main port of entry. And uh, 2007 came around, I found myself in a position to, you know, both uh, personal and, uh, and career-wise, I wanted to, to do something formal for myself. So. I decided to spend a little more time and, and uh, spend maybe six months to a year down in Miami to improve the language, expand the business, perhaps even open up a branch of my own. And, uh, you know, funny things how life happens. You know, you find yourself in the right place at the right time. And first week I was right down in South Beach, st strolling down Ocean Drive, still looking for an apartment and got caught by a thunderstorm, dove in the first place across the street. And right there, I met this lady, which happened to be uh, the, the directress of, the, of one of the most famous um, modeling agencies in the world <laughs> at the time. And, uh, you know, one of those sliding door situations, I, you know, she offered me a contract on the spot wow. and my life changed completely. Huh. So <laughs> literally, you know, I walked, I walked with a contract in hand and that, that following day that I started shooting and my life took a turn, out, turn I would have never imagined. Wow. Uh, you know, so in the following years, I basically developed myself and pursued that career wholeheartedly. I left the family business. I started modeling and traveling the world. And in 2009, I eventually moved to New York to pursue at the highest level. I got the wonderful opportunity to, you know, work for some of the biggest brands, biggest names in the industry, biggest photographers, biggest magazines, and was living it up. You know, I was living up the whole lifestyle that comes with it. You know, everything is great until it's not. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I came to a point of, uh, I guess, a breaking point where I just, you know, despite the fact that I was pursuing that image, you know, that, that let's say that pursuit of success, the image of success and glamour and all of it that is kind of portrayed, I just couldn't find fulfillment and purpose in what I was doing. So I went, I went through a very deep uh, personal crisis. I would say it was probably the most critical time of my life. I went through a very, very uh, difficult chapter where I started really, um, you know, contemplating what I was doing with myself. And, mm. you know, because of course, everything is great. Everything is fun. But then you also have the backside of the coin, you know, that whole side, the whole lifestyle of sex drug and drugs and rock and roll is fun until you know you realize that there's more to life and yeah i came to answer those questions and you know when i found myself uh hanging on a 15th floor apartment window and contemplating to end my life 
Wow. That was a, that was the point where I decided that I needed to make a change, and um, I didn't know what it was. Um, I knew that you know I was very much drawn to adventure and exploration, very from a very young age, and so that kind of called me again. Uh, it was like a dim voice at the end of the tunnel, you know. And um, I'm you know I gotta be I gotta be honest. You know, I'm thankful to myself that I decided to step back and. I, you know, understand that I could have made a change in my life that I, you know, at the time I was 27 years old and wow. it was a bit too early to have a midlife crisis, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I pretty much went through that. And thankfully, you know, the, 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 the answer came from a book. Um, I stumbled upon this book called Ultramarathon Man by Dean Karnazes mm. and he opened up my mind to a whole new world. And from that day on, you know, I read that book at uh, Christmas time, 2010. First of January, 2011, bought a pair of shoes, started running laps in Central Park. And well, hey guys, we're here talking now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a great story. You know, it's really fascinating that you said you were 27 because as you were talking about, you said the other side of the coin, sex, drugs, and all that. And in my head, I said, yeah, and, and then you turned 27. <laughs> because yeah. I was thinking about the 27 club, right? You're familiar mm -hmm. with that? The 27 club and rock and roll. To be honest with you, no, I know the seven year cycles, but no. I'm missing the 27. There are club, at least yeah. three. And I think there's five or six big rock stars who all oh, died yeah. at the age of 27. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I forget who um, like Janice. Janice Joplin did. Um, um, Kurt Cobain. Yep. Uh, if you look through a lot of people, celebrities. Jimi Hendrix, I think there's a lot of folks who died 27 overdoses, 27. Wow. So wow. that was funny that you said, yeah, I was 27, not funny, but really interesting. Right. That number popped in my head. So, so let's take a look at this. So <laughs> I have to chuckle at one thing, all these people out there who want to be models and are trying to figure <laughs> out how to do it. So your solution is go for a walk in the storm exactly. and walk in the first door that's open to stay dry and just trust what happens. You know, funny thing, it was a Johnny Rockers, you know, the burger place, <laughs> burger joint. I just dove in there, you know, I grabbed a Coke and, and I was waiting for the, for the, for the, for the storm, storm to subside. And I see this lady across the, across the bar and she kept on looking and turning and, and staring. And I'm like, you know, she was a little ahead with the, with the age, still looking, you know, pretty good looking, but I'm like, all right, here's like, I mean, uh, cougar territory you know <laughs> but then you know she surprised me and actually you know that that encounter was one of the most uh, life-changing of my my whole life because literally you know i was going in one direction and in a matter of an hour or two my life took a complete you know <laughs> a complete turn and you know at the time i was 24 years old i just landed from from italy i come from a 5,000 souls little town in the mm. inland of italy so you know finding myself in miami and being presented <laughs> with that opportunity it's like a movie you know it's yeah. like straight out of a movie and you know i got thrown into this industry and you can only imagine you know it was like from zero to a hundred real quick everything started piling up you know i started booking jobs and i started getting involved with the whole um uh, lifestyle that comes with it you know hanging out with the socialites and celebrities and then every you know because of the status that you in the position that you are as a model the imagery 
that you represent, you know, restaurants want you here, a restaurant owner wants you here, PRs want you there, club owners want you at their tables. So you got like everything handed out, you know, it's like Wonderland, you know, 24, 25 years old, everything wow. is given, everything is handed out, you know, feel like the king of the world. Now, it sounds like you had, so with the family business, I'm guessing that the family had taught you a lot about staying grounded, but this probably threw you into a totally different arena. It was a different world altogether. I mean, the, the relationships, the business in itself, you know, um, again, you're, you're, you're perfectly right. You know, I had a fortune to have my parents as, as guidance, as, as teachers for so many years before I left the country. And I came from a somewhat safe and good environment. Yeah. And I get thrown into this madness, you know, <laughs> madness of promiscuity and drugs yeah. and alcohol. And, you know, the, the absurdity of it all is the fact that once you absorb in that bubble, it almost becomes normal. Hmm. Partying four, five, six nights a week and doing everything that comes with it every, almost every night it becomes every day's bread because everybody's doing it. So, you know, it's yeah. like, it's, it's normal. It's like, you're, you know, we're here hanging out, having a coffee. No, okay. Let's go. You know, you're going to a club and you're going to the bathroom for a toot. You know what I mean? It's like, it's perfectly normal because that's, that's the lifestyle that, that these, you know, that community specifically lives. And uh, you know, again, at that age thrown in there, it felt fantastic. Hmm. until I just came to the realization that that's not, you know, it became old right away after, you know, if you're always celebrating after a while, you lose the, the meaning of it. Hmm. And, you yeah. know, you lose the actual flavor of the celebration in itself. And, you know, the detrimental, um, you know, effects that it has on your psyche and your, in your lifestyle and your, your life in general. Cause of course, you know, you know, if you're partying every day until, until dawn, you know, you're not going to be very productive the next day. Right. <laughs> so you started getting, you know, you started spiraling up real quick and as fast as it went up, it started coming down. Now, did you find in that environment that you had anybody around you that you could actually talk to, or was everybody kind of in this craziness? No, actually, you know, unfortunately, the, the people that I had around at the time are actually the one that brought me into that. Mm. So, you know, there wasn't any way out. And the only way out for me at that point was to leave the whole scene altogether. Okay. So I could, you know, I knew that if I stayed there, yeah. I would have ended up badly. So Michaela, it's well, you shared the story already. You got to this point where you were contemplating taking your life. And I mean, a lot of people say that real change in their lives, they have to get to some sort of bottom. Or some people would say there's enough pain to drive the change. Hmm. And that pain, avoiding pain usually drives more change than seeking pleasure, frankly. Yep. So you got to that place. Was there something in particular that helped you make that walked the other way because you were walking, you were there. Yeah. Well, what helped me out was, you know, several, I would say like two, three different uh, situations, episodes that brought me to that breaking point. And exactly as you said, you know, you can only, once you hit rock bottom, there's only one way up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's looking up and, you know, chasing the light. 
Um, you know, to me, everything came crumbling down, uh, both on a personal uh, career level and relationship levels. I was, you know, I, I knew that that whole lifestyle was, was breaking me down, was tearing me apart. So I moved to New York and I decided to kind of get away from the whole scene and focus more on the career. Because of course, you know, I was, very, you know, despite the fact that I was partying it up, I was also very focused on what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I started making very good money. I was traveling the world. I was working with the biggest brands. And so, you know, there was also some sort of um, reward, both financial and personal, but ultimately I couldn't find the purpose in what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I didn't find, you know what I mean? Like, posing half naked for covers, it's fun for a little bit, but in the end, it's like, what is my contribution? What am I doing? You know, yeah. uh, I think all of us as, as men, as humans, we have some sort of uh, necessity, personal necessity and, and a responsibility to do something greater than ourselves. And this yeah. is just my belief. So when I was in that position, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm making good money. I'm doing these things that initially I thought it was great. It was glamorous. It was the image of success that I pursued because that's what it always told us when I grew up in movies and publicity and commercials and all that stuff. But then once you have it, you realize that's all BS. It's all fake. I mean, and that's what I think you know, I even spoke about, speak about, you know, you mentioned these rock stars, Kurt Cobain, uh, all of these, you know, I would say thinkers of our times. And I think the reason why they came to the breaking point and they took their lives is because, you know, from a young age, we instilled that material success is everything we need to pursue to, to find success. Hmm. But one, you know, once you reach it, then you're like, oh, my life, you know, yeah, yeah, I have fancy things. My life is still the same. I need to have something greater. And yeah. so that was the kind of like the, the triggering point. And then, you know, the whole detrimental lifestyle that came with it. And then I got to tell you, the tilting point, the breaking point was probably the, uh, you know, the kind of being taken advantage of mm. being in a position where, especially when you start, you know, when you work in a small market, you're more working for small clients, it doesn't matter. But when you're working in a big market like New York, Milan, Paris, and you're starting to work with the whole couture, high fashion brands. I'm talking about Armani. I'm talking about DNG. I'm talking about, you know, Givenchy. Oh, like the biggest brands that you can think of. There becomes, you know, those are powerhouses and the people in charge know that they are in a power position. Hmm. And I can tell you, I can name you a couple, two or three episodes where I could be very much part of that Me Too movement. Thankfully, I never, oh, wow. you know, I was proud of myself for always taking a step back, but that, of course, influenced negatively my career at that point. And so, you know, one thing on top of the other, you know, nothing was this, you know, something to destroy you. But, you know, one rock on top of the other, on top of yep. another, eventually everything crumbles, right? And so, you know, it was, I remember very, very vividly, you know, it was probably the most cathartic night of my life. It was uh, springtime of 2009. And I just came, I, you know, I was at a um, Stephen Klein's birthday party down in the heart of the meatpacking district in New York. And, you know, he just introduced me to Madonna, which was one of his best friends. And, you know, it was one of those funny nights, you know, she was at the table, he introduced me to her. At the time, we had just shot with him and, you know, he, I was pretty, you know, not to brag, but I was pretty ripped at that time. 
And he introduced me to her as the abs guy, Mr. Abs. <laughs> and so, you know, she wanted to, to make sure I lived up to my name. So she unbottled my shirt and she introduced herself shaky, you know, kind of rubbing my stomach. So that's, that was like, you know, a fun introduction that brought to other things that night. And eventually I walked home by myself. It was a crack of dawn and in a, you know, a great moment of, of, I would say introspection and silence. I sat outside the windowsill mm. and, you know, I came to confront myself because I just realized that, you know, is this all there is, you know, is this, you know, even these people that we all think like, okay, you know, they are, they're up there. They are so successful. They are famous. They're, but what's, you know, what's up with that? You know, what's, what's, what's behind all of this, with this facade, you know, in, you know, a lot of these people that I met in, in, in my journey were beyond wealthy. They were, they had everything they wanted and still they couldn't find any, you know, any happiness, contentment or purpose in their lives. And that struck me, struck me to the point that I was like, you know, I'm in that same position. Who am I? What am I doing with this life of mine? And I honestly sat there for out for two hours, for an hour or two, just looking at the cars, tiny cars at the bottom down there. Um, and, you know, thinking if it was all worth it. Oh. And, you know, in a moment of clarity, in a moment of, I would say, maybe of awakening, I, I kind of, you know, I realized that I was still young. I'm 27, you know, I was 27 years old. Nothing was lost. And I came to the understanding that all I needed to do was to make a conscious change. And so I got back in and I did. It's not always easy for people to do. <laughs> no, it's, it's the hardest part. It is yeah. the hardest part because, you know, we get so, um, so driven at certain points in our lives, so stuck in certain situations, so comfortable, even in discomfort that yeah. we don't want to make that step, but it is absolutely necessary to, you know, to decide for ourselves what's best and make that change. Doesn't matter how difficult it is. Now, when you got presented with this opportunity to become a model, I'm guessing that wasn't on your radar of things that you wanted to do. And so you, you followed this path to its logical conclusion, but along the way, did you ever think of additional goals that you wanted to go after? To be honest, no. Uh, you okay. know, I was, I, I was very happy doing what I was doing with my family company. I got to tell you, okay. you know, it was a great job. I, you know, I had a great, I had a, I have great relationship with my family. So I was, very content with what I was doing, both financially and personally. Then this thing came around and, you know, you know, as I said before, 25 years old kid, you know, you find yourself presented with all these opportunities and it feels like you're the king of the world. You feel like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a wonderful dream. But then I realized that that dream wasn't necessarily my dream. Gotcha. Yeah. So Michaela, you, you've used some words here that I, I know we're going to talk more about. You talked about purpose lack of purpose in what you were doing, lack of contribution. And when you opened, you talked about this book, that I think you said December of 2009, you read that got you hooked on the ultra running. That's right. What, I guess, talk a little bit about that idea of the ultra running. The, I mean, I'm curious, I guess the short question is, is that 
has that become your purpose and contribution? Or was that like a transition or something that led you to it? Yeah. I think it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, it's one of those situations where I don't want to say it's destiny, but <laughs> there was something deeper behind it. You know, it wasn't just by chance. It was chance and destiny mixed up together, I would say. Um, you know, in that, in that moment, you know, as we said before, from that critical night in the spring of 2009 to the end of 2010, actually, that's when I read that book. So it's a year and a half, basically. Hmm. I still had to work as a model. I still had to do what I needed to do because I was involved in it. I had... I still I had an apartment in Manhattan. I had an apartment in Miami. I was still traveling. I was still involved. So I couldn't just leave everything behind and go. But I knew that I was committed to find something. And that something, again, came from re kind of retracing it back to my roots. Um, I was very much drawn to adventure and exploration. Mm, and this totally. is because I would say, you know, I had the great fortune as a kid to be introduced to, you know, we lived in an area in Italy where we were right by the coast, the Mediterranean mm -hmm. Sea. We had, the, we had a great privilege to spend winters skiing the Alps and mm -hmm. summers hiking the Dolomites with the family. Oh, so nice. our parents introduced myself, you know, my, my sister and I from a very young age to, to nature and the appreciation yeah. of nature and the connection that you can, you can draw from, you know, you can get from it. And so to me, you know, that personal dissatisfaction plus being kind of caged in that concrete jungle, yeah. I started feeling the call of the wild. <laughs> totally get it. And I didn't know what it was. Yeah. At the you know what I mean? I didn't know what it was at the time. So I started digging into this whole exploration and adventure world. And I started, yeah. you know, piling up books and watching documentaries about mm -hmm. adventures of all kinds. Back from Shackleton all the way to in nowadays, big mountain climbers, ocean rowers, big river swimmers, Ironmans, all of that I could find. But nothing really spoke to me until that Christmas time 2010, when ultra marathon man appeared to me <laughs> and he showed me the way. Because, wow. you know, the one thing that struck me was the fact that it was unheard of. Hmm. I had to that moment, I had never heard of ultra marathon. Ah, I knew what marathons were. I was intrigued by Ironmans, these people pushing the boundaries, but he were talking a whole nother level. He were talking about people that were shattering the concept of human limitations. Hmm. You know, we grew up with understanding them. The marathon was the ultimate test of endurance. And now here I discover people that can run four, six, eight in a row without sleep. I mean, that was mind boggling. That was mind blowing. And on top of that, I very much connected to the author, hmm. Dean, Dean Karnazes to the day, probably my biggest inspiration was kind of found himself in the same situation that I was hmm. at the same time of his life. We came from different paths. He was a successful businessman, businessman working for a fortune 500. I was a somewhat successful model. We both reached that, like the taste of success, material, uh, you know, comfort, whatever. And still weren't happy, satisfied, fulfilled or whatever. And so he, at 30 years old, was able to turn his life around 
pursue this nonsense, <laughs> this craziness <laughs> that you called it before, Jeff, and make it his whole life, make it his lifestyle, make it a career. And he was able running this incredible, this is this in, in tough environments, make it a journey of, of a lifetime. And so it was like, if he did it, why can I do it? So let me ask about, you know, when you're, when you're out running, I'm guessing at some point it's not, it's no longer about your body. It's about what's going on in your head. When that, about where does that flip for you and what do you do to keep going? You know, it, this is a very good question because ultra running is, you know, there's a great saying in ultra running that goes, you know, 90, 90% is mental yeah. and the remaining 10% is in your head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I agree to that up to a certain point because, I mean, let me, let me tell you, you know, for the fact that I studied yoga, I started to understand certain um, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say um, perspective, but um, the, 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 the human potential. Mm -hmm. It's not just limited to the physical or the mental, but there's a one grade higher than that. And I'll get there. Because as you said, you know, you can run up until a certain point and then eventually even the strongest of athletes' body is going to start to crumble. And that's inevitable. That's when the mind takes over. When that's when the mind, your why, your reasons why you do it, your drive, your motivation, what inspires you can push you to go further. But what I realized in my journey is that once you're driven by the mind, you're always on a path of resistance. Hmm. So even the strongest of minds, it's always going to have to fight it. And even the strongest of mind, has a limitation. I think that the ultimate level to transcend to, it's the emotional, it's mm. the heart, the spirit, the soul, sense. whatever you want to call it. Because yeah. we all know that there is something greater than our physicality and than our minds. We are not our thoughts. I couldn't disagree, I couldn't disagree more with the cart. I don't think, I don't think we are because we think. I think because we are, you know, the thoughts are just part of, of, our, of our, or the influences that come in and out of our brain, but who we are is something greater. Mm -hmm. So if you can transcend the physical limitation, transcend the mental limitation and tap into your heart, the inner self, the inner something deeper, I believe that we are infinite, that we have an infinite amount of energy that we can tap into. And honestly, once you tap into that, you're in a state of flow. That's when we talk about, you know, the high. The runner's high is somewhat of a, you know, you start kind of <laughs> tasting it a little bit. Yeah. In ultra running, you get into it mm -hmm. in a different level, you know. And, uh, and I think that, you know, I call it spiritual journeys because it really allows you to tap into the higher self. Wow. So, Michaela, one thing I'm fascinated by that I think, I can see how it applies to everyday life, everyday business, which is really what I'm listening for is how do, how's this all translate, which I'm sure is part of your message. So many of us, including me, tend to think step by step and mm -hmm. that I'm going to do this. And in fact, I tell people that, you know, you don't have to leap there. You can go this and then you're there. But 
you know, it sounds like you skipped a bunch of steps. <laughs> you didn't say I'm going to go run, learn to run a 10 K and then I'm going to run a half marathon right. and then a marathon and then an ultra. <laughs> you said I'm pretty, pretty good shape. I'm going to go run races of 150 miles. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Well, well, you know, it's funny because my very first race was actually a hundred miles. <laughs> so, talk, so talk about that in terms of what, how, what drove you to just jump that far yeah. And also, how's that translate to how we live and lead our lives? Wow. Yeah. Different level of goals. So, you know, the, the one thing that the Dean's book left me was this great fascination for ultras, ultra running, going beyond running. So, you know, I always love running. I always love, you know, I always love watching Ironmans. I always watch marathons. I love track. But this concept was something, be, something different, was, was almost like a, a different discipline entirely. And so I wanted to understand what he was talking about. I wanted to be part of it. So that's why, you know, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I respect every distance from the mile to the 5K, 10Ks, half marathon, any distance is respectable and it presents its own challenges. But it was about this concept of this fascination about discovering what was this about this, this ultra going beyond the physical. And so that's why in five months time, basically, I started training in January 2011. And May 13th, 2011, I told the line to the Keys 100 down in wow. Florida from Key West to Key Largo, 100 miles through the tropics, 90, 100 degrees weather, 100% humidity. I show up handheld hand in bottle, handheld in hand, short shorts, no shirt. I'm like, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know, you know, to ultra running, there's a lot more than your physical. There's a lot more, you know, that comes into play. And here we're talking about nutrition, self-management, hydration, and all of that. And I just skipped all of that. I just went there to run. <laughs> And I ran and I ran and I ran until I could run no more, until I passed out, literally, face plant, cold on the ground. Mm. I woke up in an ambulance with my family, which came from Italy to crew for me, crying and begging me to stop. And that's how it all started. Wow. wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so, Michaela, I'm really curious if you're familiar with um, a gentleman by the name of Stephen Pressfield. Do you know no. Stephen Pressfield's work? No. He's written a lot of books. The reason is he wrote a book called, um, God, I think it's called Get to Work or something like that, yeah. or, or Do the Work. It's one of those. And the whole book is about resistance. And I loved what you said. I think it is profound and often missed, this idea that once I go to my mind, that the resistance turns on. Yeah, That's where it goes. In fact, a lot of my clients will say, I need to think about something. I'll say, oh my God, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. That is the, the worst possible thing you can do. And my analogy is that's like the alcoholic who says, I want to stop drinking. I think I'll go to the bar and get drunk. Yeah. And I hear that. And I, I'll share this really quickly because Pressfield said of resistance that it is insidious. Yeah. And the mind is a in my mind, the mind is just here to stop me. <laughs> Yeah. Not to encourage me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the mind, the mind is, you know, evolutionally. It's always going to take the easy way out. It's always going to try to find the comfortable and easiest choice. And, you know, I'm very much, you know, again, I studied in India. I'm very much into that um, Eastern philosophy and way of life. And, you know, there's a great saying that goes, the life is a, the, 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 life, the mind is a great servant, but a terrible master. And I'm sure you guys have heard this before. 
You know, it's so uh, it's it, it's very fitting for the fact that you know, again, in 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 our Western society, we stress so much the power of the mind, yeah. and I respect that because if we do use the mind as a tool, we can achieve anything. But if we allow the mind to make the choices and drive us, it's always gonna hold us back. Hmm. That's why I think that anything we do in life doesn't matter if it's ultra running setting up a business career-wise, relationship, any endeavor in life, you need to be driven by something deeper. Mm -hmm. Because when the going gets tough, the mind, it's always going to take the easy way out. And whatever (laughs) happens, even if you're strong, you're still on a path to resistance. And that only lasts a certain amount of time. Wow. This is so good. I mean, that's Um, it aligns with a lot of things I've thought, but you're saying it's so much, it's so cool way. Oh my uh-huh. God. I'm, I'm, happy, I'm, I'm happy be, to hear. Oh my God. I'm going to be quoting you over and over. <laughs> there. For sure. This is such good stuff. And with attribution. Uh, so let me ask you this. So uh, again, I'm just trying to find some reference points. Are you familiar with Jesse Itzler? Yeah, I actually, yeah. I did an interview with him last week. So he's, I mean, he, he's a bit of an ultra runner. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I remember reading his book, 30 Days with Seal. Yeah. This guy who's an ultra runner who's like doing things I can't imagine. David Goggins. Gets his butt kicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He finds a whole, and he's talked about a lot of the same thing. Found this whole other level. Yeah. He's like, I'm in good shape. Now go do this. What? (laughs) Yep, 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 yep. So so speak to that. I, I You talked about it already. Talked about this idea of those perceived limitations. Mm, yes. You know, I think that it's, you know, the, we cannot point fingers and say it's this person's fault, is this this fault, but it's inevitable from the moment we're born, we're put into boxes. Yes. It's inevitable. Parents tell, and they do it with, with, with you know, with goodness at heart. I'm mm-hmm. sure nobody does it on purpose, but it is the way our societal trend is established. Parents tell you, you can only do this. You cannot do that. Then yeah. you go to school and they tell you you can do this. You cannot do that. Then you get into society and life and they tell you you can do this and you cannot do that. And why can't you do that? Because it's never been done before, because it's beyond the limits, because we cannot do that. And But, you know, the concept of, of exploration, in my opinion, and especially in our times, you know, in a time where our mountains have been climbed, our lands have been discovered, I think the true exploration left is finding out our true human potential. So mm-hmm. going beyond those limitations, those perceived limitations to find out for ourselves truly how far we can go, both that, physically, both mentally and spiritually. That makes so much sense when you think about the, the five closest people, you know, the people that you're around, if they don't believe that this is possible, you're not going to believe it's possible. So you have to be around people who are thinking bigger, maybe have a, a different world experience. Wow, that's, that is so good. Craig, that's absolutely right. And that's why I got to tell you, I think the only growth possible is, is in isolation. Interesting. Okay. I found myself in this position where, and I tell you, you know, I speak, of course, for personal experience. You know, when I went through that, life-changing chapter, the critical chapter of my life. And I started exploring this new realm uh, of, let's say, of existence, you know, trying to look outside 
the box to see what I could do. <clears throat> I started digging, you know, not just in adventure and explorers and all of that, but I also started listening to a lot of motivational speakers about mm -hmm. development coaches, about gurus, spiritual coaches. I started really tapping in a lot of those self-development and self-growth uh, podcasts, documentaries, books, everything I could find. I mean, I had like mountains of books. I had more books than clothes. I mean, like when I travel, <laughs> I've been moving around and it's always the hardest part is moving all the books. And, um, and you know, the one thing that everybody said is you are always going to be confined by the thoughts around you. Yeah. By the thoughts that hover around you, because it's inevitable, you know, you get up and you don't, and again, before, as I said before, you know, we cannot point a finger. It's your fault. This person's fault. It's, it's just how we are. You know, we are uh, social um, creatures, right? Yeah. And, and we also very much creatures of habits. So once our social status are, you know, the, the whole life as established, we kind of tend to stick to those ideas and beliefs and we just take it for granted without actually putting our nose outside and finding out if it's true or not. And here yeah. we can dig into many, many different talks, but I'm going to stick to the one that we are in right now. <laughs> um, so the one thing that I realized is that the more I was around people, the less I could grow for the fact that it's inevitable. You know, you get one, you wake up in the morning, you address, you, we are constantly in a state of outward energy, yeah. dealing with outward energy. And what I mean by that is we get up in the morning, we check the news, that's outward. We respond to emails, that's outward. We respond to our, you know, our partners, uh, situations, conversations, opinions, same thing with family, same thing with friends radios, TVs, yeah. we are bombarded by Absolutely. outside influences that we hardly ever take the time to turn the focus inward mm -hmm. and explore ourselves. Because it's only what I believe is that it's only through introspection that we can work on ourselves, figure out what needs to be done, and then just do it. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com slash confident to find out more. See you on the inside. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain -brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, 
toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Welcome back. Dude, I'm just, my head just exploded. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I feel more excited right now than when I went to see Hamilton in New York. Just literally jumping up and down. I am literally jumping up and down. That's so wonderful. I, I just want to touch on this one thing. When you talked about the isolation piece, I don't know about Craig, but I had this reaction of, oh, really? Oh, that yeah. makes sense. So I'm curious if you're familiar with Joseph Campbell work. Yes. So as soon as you said that, I thought of his one quote, which is the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. <laughs> and it's about going in the cave alone. And I also thought about Star Wars, yep. that scene on that was it, planet Dagobah. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So deep when, yep. when, when Luke is going into the cave alone yep. and Yoda says, you don't need anything. All you need is just. Yeah, like that is deep stuff. Not, yeah, just, I mean, not just Star Wars. You know, just bouncing off of that, that that applies very well to to my situation at the time. I mean, that's that's very much the hero's journey. Yeah, exactly. that's part of the hero's journey. There's not, you know, there's no way around it. And the only, you know, to bring it back to to the to an actual situation, to a real situation, the example that I can give you is think about when I was in that moment that I wanted to make a change that I was committed to pursue this thing, that I wanted to make a change in my life. Parents, they can only support you to a certain point because they only have their experience in Absolutely. life. Yeah. And they cannot, you know, even, even with good at heart, they will never understand what you are up to because what you need to do, what you want to do is seated inside of you and nobody needs to understand or, or, or support it. And the other part is, think about the position that I was at the time, back in the model industry, I started talking about this, this idea, this dream with some of my friends, and everybody was shutting it down. Mm. Everybody's like, oh, you, you're crazy. I mean, I heard that a few times before. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, you're crazy. Like, you know, you, you have, you know, you have money, you have success. Why would you do this stupid thing? You know, you're doing, you're putting yourself out there. You're changing your whole career. It's, it's very uncertain. It's a risk. You know, it's a low money industry. What are you doing? So it's, it's negative on top of negative, on top of doubt, on top of uncertainty. And all of these things are unnecessary. They're not necessary on your journey because once you bring the focus within, everything else is just noise and yeah. it doesn't matter. So here brings me to presence and inner self-development. But those people were probably trying to tell you something that they believed was good for you. They, they mm-hmm. wanted the best for you, but they didn't know what you know now. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Even with a good heart, mm-hmm. you have to listen to yourself and nobody else. Wow. Well, and I'm not saying- from their mind. Right. They're speaking from their mind. (laughs) That's exactly right. right. You know, they're speaking from their perspective. They're speaking from their experience. They're speaking Mm -hmm. from their, um, you know, from their social conditioning. 
and it was their mind. It wasn't their heart and soul. It was their mind. Yeah, right. It's messing them up and messing me up. <laughs> That's absolutely, you know, everything is very much, our society is mind and ego driven. Yeah. So I think that the, the only, I think that the barrier of our generation is to transcend that and to tap into something higher because there is magic in that. You know, once you transcend those limitations, you transcend the ego, you become to tap, you, you, you start to tap into uh, what I call the higher self. And the higher self, when it gets developed, it also becomes more grounded, more connected, more grateful, more loving, more kind. And once you come from that, you come from a positive place. You come from a place where you don't feel angry or jealous because of other people's success, right. but you feel happy for other people's success because the more one strives, thrives, the more we all thrive. The more one person evolves, the more we evolve. And this is what, you know, kind of circling back to what we were talking at the beginning in finding purpose and fulfillment in what we're doing. I started understanding that what I was doing was having a positive impact, not just on me, but on the people around me. Because one, it made me into a better person because I was doing what I'm doing, what I love, and inevitably it puts me in a good space. And so I can contribute to the highest level because I can also show what's possible. And to me, there's nothing greater than the power of inspiration. Mm -hmm. And I speak of that because 10 years ago, 11 years ago, the power of inspiration not only changed my life, but he actually saved it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I've just flashed to something probably five or six years ago. My, some of my great wisdom comes in bars, I have to admit it. And, and I was having drinks and someone's met me, said, you're a coach. So what's some great wisdom? That's kind of, <laughs> it was kind of a snarky thing. All right. And I said, you know, um, let me I take actually, a shot. Yeah, I said, actually, I have some great wisdom that I've discovered. The problem is it's not survivable. And they said, <laughs> what do you mean? I said, well, what you need to do is get a really dear friend and a very sharp sword, have them cut your head off All because right. in the moment before you actually physically die, you will have complete clarity because you will remove the only obstacle in your way, which is your head. And they look at me and go, that actually probably would work. I said, that's the problem. It's just not survivable yet. But you're talking a way that you don't actually have to cut your head off. You just do it um, spiritually, remove your head. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely right. Well, to me, you know, I think that once you begin to confront your yourself and contemplating the value of your existence. This is where I think, you know, in a moment of, of uh, near death, you find that clarity because everything else becomes, you know, it, it, it doesn't have any meaning. It doesn't have any, you know, I don't want to say value, but it becomes secondary. Right. It, exactly. You know, it just, it's just extra because yeah. in that moment, you're confronting your whole life. You are mm -hmm. putting at stake your existence. You know, you, if that spring day of 2009, I, you know, I took a different decision, you know, that would have been it. If you're working with somebody, how do you get them to that point? I guess that nugget of that, that place where they can experience that. 
I think change can only happen in a moment. I mean, evolution taught us change only happens in a moment of difficulty. Evolution only can happen in a moment of, in a transition, a chapter of, of struggle or difficulty. So, you know, I, I'm not necessarily saying that we all need to contemplate suicide or get close to, you know, a life, uh, life ending situation. But um, I think there has to be a point where there's, there's discontent, there is a moment of great dissatisfaction, and that's the only moment when you can assess, truly assess what it is that you want to do and what it is that you need to do. Because first of all, you know, a lot of people ask me, oh, but you know, it, it's great because you found your calling. I'm like, you know, it's just like, it didn't follow me really, you know, like I look for it and eventually... I found uh, the traits that were speaking to me mm. and I didn't know if this was going to be for me, but right from the beginning, I felt like there was something There was a, it was almost more like a pull. There was never a push. I was never pushing towards it. I always mm. felt like it was a calling that was calling me to go towards that direction. And that's what I think it's the, it's the, you know, the, the shifting gear in everything that we do. Because again, pushing is always a struggle. Pull, you're drawn to it. So there's, you know, you're in a path, path of less resistance. Wow. wow. Um, you know, to respond more accurately to, the, to your question, I would say meditation. Okay. Again, you don't need to, to get close to kill yourself, but <laughs> meditation will be a great tool. Um, and, you know, throughout the years after, you know, after I started running, I started discovering yoga, started discovering meditation. Then I had the opportunity to study yoga in Rishikesh for uh, several months in an ashram and eventually started working at this uh, great retreat in Malibu. And I was, I came to understand the power of meditation, but the fact that in many ways, it allowed me to tap into that um, an unbounded space, hmm. if it makes sense. You yeah. are in a pace, you find your balance, you find your center, you disconnect from the outside influences, and you allow yourself not to think about this, not to dwell on that, not to worry about what's been, not to stress about what's going to happen, but simply disconnecting from the outside world, disconnecting from the outside influences, bringing the awareness within. And only then, just allowing yourself to simply be, simply be in the moment, it allows you to tap into that inner self that the more you listen to it, the more you give a voice, the louder it gets. And the louder it gets, the more clear your vision gets. And from that moment of presence and mindfulness, you can act and achieve anything you want. I, I just love what you're talking about, about this going beyond ourselves. And I think that, I mean, <laughs> I have had my mind blown today. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> like, That's wonderful yeah, to hear. It's, like, it's a good thing that we're not uh, sharing the video because there'd be like brain matter splattered all over the video of literally our minds <laughs> exploding because you've taken some things I knew and some things I'd never thought that way and the clarity with which you have shared yes. the, the, the delineation between the mind and everything else. Uh, 
Thank I, you. I, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Michaela, for everything you've shared. Well, it's 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 been a great, great pleasure. And you know, thanks for for the opportunity to to get into these topics because you know a lot of times they're difficult. They're difficult conversations to have. And um and, but but I think it's absolutely necessary, you know, we're in a position where we can only share our experience and hopefully better the lives of those around us. So, Michaela, we, we always want to give our guests a chance at the end to promote anything particular that's going on for you and your business. Yeah. Well, I, I just recently, um, June 20th, I launched a book called Ultra, Tom Model awesome. to Top Ultra Runner, that pretty much goes into depths of, I would say, everything that we spoke about today. Um, you know, start off with, uh, with my funny experience, my fun experience at the Keys 100, um, taken away by an ambulance, my journey coming from Italy, the whole going in depth of the experience in the modeling world with some, uh, I would say, interesting uh, chapters going, you know, in the specific of certain experiences that can be, can be fun to read. And then, of course, you know, sharing some stories and adventures and races around the world, including Bedwater, the Yukon and more. But um, yeah, the, the book is available pretty much all, all over. Uh, Amazon will be probably the easiest. Uh, it can all, also be accessed by um, checking my website, which is michelegralia.com. So my name and last name. Um, and then, you know, if anybody wants to follow my journey, I'm, I'm pretty much active on all, on all uh, social media uh, platforms, but more on Instagram. And my handle is at Miki, M-I-C-K-E-Y, and my last name, Gralia. Well, we will, we will share all of that, the website, all the ways for people to connect with you. Uh, we always wrap it. up um, every episode with a question or two. Uh, and the question, I, the question I have for you is, I want you to imagine, Michaela, you have an opportunity to have dinner with someone who's living. Who are you having dinner with and what's the one question you're going to ask them? Um, because of the, the, the line of thought and the philosophy that I follow, I would do, I would say the Dalai Lama, hmm. you know, I think there's a, I, I, I had the opportunity to listen to him in, uh, in New York back in 2010 when I was in that hmm. pivotal time. Yeah. And so his perspective on life, and um, it, it really changed me. It really allowed me to, to see the world in a different way. It's like, What's the question you're going to ask him? Well, you know, we always, we always wrap our stuff around what's the meaning of life. But I think that, to be honest with you, is what it is the greatest thing that we can do for ourselves and for other people. Hmm. Because I think that will answer the, the first question. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Michaela. Thanks for all your wisdom. And most important, thank you for the work and the message you're sharing in the world. Absolutely. Guys, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michaela. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, 
we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com confident to find out more. See you on the inside. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.